Listen, you see the drip. It's that Crip drip. You dig? This is Pop Smoke in November 2018. He's standing on a corner in Canarsie, Brooklyn, surrounded by like 20 of his friends and one guy with a camera. This is just a few months after Pop first got on the mic. And even though he just started rapping, he's giving an interview. Famous rapper style with Mel's TV. Mel's runs a YouTube channel devoted to all the hottest street rappers in Brooklyn. Damn, it's like 20 niggas In the interview, Pop is wearing an ankle bracelet from his 2017 arrest. The one where the cops ran up in his mom's place and found a gun, weed, and counterfeiting equipment. Now niggas is lucky I'm on a bracelet right now. You understand? I'm on a bracelet, man. I was like... Pop and his friends are outside of a pizza spot in the Flossie. They're all hype, and so is Pop. He keeps putting new people into the frame to shout them out in front of the camera to give them their time to shout. Listen, I'm 19. My son got 15, There's a cop car in the corner watching the whole time. Meanwhile, Pop is bragging about how he's ready to take over the rap game. Everyone's putting on a show for the camera and bigging up Pop, who was the reason they're being filmed. And they're being watched by the cops the whole time. But when the cops finally get out of their car to approach the crew, they just get taunted. You knew? What? You knew? I knew. What do you mean, I knew? The man's on the corner. And the craziest thing about this interview? The fact that it's happening at all. Pop hadn't even released a song yet. It was almost just like he was myth-making from the start, from that interview. Just the way he's standing there, everybody's surrounding him. Alphonse Pierre is a staff writer at Pitchfork. So I'm from the floss. I'm from Canarsie yourself. They told me you're from Canarsie. What about? Uh, uh, East 92nd. Oh, shit, that's what's up. I grew up, I was born and raised on 106th. I'm from the 100. He's from East 92nd, the very same block that Pop claims. And he writes a lot about different local rap scenes. So he was early on a new sound coming out of Brooklyn. He noticed Pop from that very first Mel's TV interview. It's almost just like standing like above everybody. And even if that video was on mute and you would just look at like the circle of people that stand there, you would know Pop Smoke was the one that they were talking about. And at the center of everything Pop did, even as his music started to really blow up, was Canarsie, the Flossie. It was just like, you almost felt like you were there on the block with Pop Smoke. He made Canarsie feel like the most important place in the world. Welcome to Complex Subject Pop Smoke. It's a show about how a kid from Canarsie, Brooklyn, took his neighborhood sound and its beefs and used it all to become a superstar and how it all got taken away too soon. This is episode two, Proper Drill Shit. I'm your host, Punch. Woo! Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. One of Pop's very first songs was NPR, Money, Power, Respect. Now, if you've heard this song before, you'll notice that this version's a little different. It's actually the original. 
And Pop wanted a music video for it. So his friend connected him to a director. Back then his name was GQ. It wasn't even Pop Smoke. He only had like a thousand followers on Instagram. That's the director, V Lens. He remembers that when he started shooting the video, Pop was still trying to figure out what to call himself. Yeah, GQ, not a great rap name. But one thing was clear. So he um he was definitely big on like his the crib movement. So we got in a group chat, and then you know Pop into the chat. You know it's just a bunch of crib emojis all through. You know anything blue he could find. V Lens was down to make the video for NPR, but he saw a pretty big obstacle. Mind you, Pop had an ankle bracelet on, so I'm like, bro, you can't do a lot of stuff that we probably need in the video, like smoking anything. It's like it's impossible. He was like, don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to beat the case. I'm going to beat the case. Don't worry, I got you, I got you. Just, just shoot the video. They have a day of shooting in August 2018. Pop pays V-Lens half of his fee, but then goes him. And a few months later... I get a phone call. Let's shoot the video right now. I got a bunch of people at a B&B. Let's shoot the video right now. I'm like, it's 4 in the morning. This is impossible. Like, it's not going to work. All of a sudden, he wants to finish the video in the middle of the night? V-Lens decided to roll with it. Pop put me in an Uber from Harlem to Far Rockaway, which was like, at the time, I'm like, you didn't even want to pay me $350 for a video. This Uber was like $100. So I'm like, he must be serious. So he sent the Uber. We take the Uber. While I'm in the Uber, he's telling me like, bro, it's mad girls here. Ah, it's fun. It's lit. It's a big party. So I get there. It's just nothing but dudes. A rapper exaggerating how turned up the party is? Nah, <laughs> I never seen that before. But V-Lens realized... All the dudes here were the key to the whole thing. They were Pop's ride or dies. Pop wanted the video to be about them just as much as he wanted the video to be about him. He's like, catch him, catch all of them. Don't worry about me. He was like, I just want them to show as well. I want you to see my family, my brothers. He's like, I want everybody to shine in the video. On December 19th, 2018, Pop's very first music video was uploaded to YouTube. It had all of Pop's guys in it. There was also a lot of crip imagery, blue rags, blue bandanas, people throwing up gang signs. There was footage from that party V-Lens talked about. And yeah, it definitely looks like it was all dudes in there. Most important of all, Pop released the video and re-released the song with a new beat. It was by a kid from the UK named 808 Mellow. I need that money, that bar respect. With the new beat came a new persona. Pop Smoke was in. GQ was out. NPR turned heads locally because of the video. People loved to see the flaws represented. Pop shot it out his block, East 92nd Street, or that 092 in Canarsie. And like all the best rap songs, NPR was all about the real insidery details. Stuff you only know if you're from Canarsie. Pop was talking about his friends, like Nappy Blue. Nappy was the guy whose house everybody used to chill at. The song had a lightness to it, a sense of humor. Pop even made a joke about his construction job he had at the time. Construction, hammer, you get it. And Pop repped his set, 8 Douche Tray, with an 823 crisp. All the gang talk, the beat, the attitude made NPR fit right into the genre of drill rap. This was the Brooklyn version, though. Drill is a pretty new style of music. I remember first hearing it back in the early 2010s, and it was all coming from one place, Chicago. 
At that time, the FBI was calling it the murder capital of the U.S. In fact, the whole name of the style, drill, it's a slang word for killing. The early Chicago stuff was very dark. I've actually never heard death spoken about so loosely in my life. All these guys were like literally just gangbanging. <laughs> um, like, believe it or not, that's all they were doing. Peter Gideonwo is a big-time manager now. He worked with Juice World, and he co-manages Trippy Red. But back when Drill was first blowing up, Peter was promoting rap shows in Chicago. I don't think Chicago knew, like, this was going to become something. Like, they're like, we're going to kill your homie, and we're going to rhyme about it. A lot of the Chicago Drill rappers were only teenagers. This was not rap about trying to get rich. It sounded like they were actually trying to kill each other. This was a first-hand account of the gang violence that they were in the middle of. These young rappers were actually putting hits out in their songs, and people were really dying. I said, if we ever said it's up, that bitch, I swear to God we mean it. We already in hell, bitch, since 12, we've been dangerous. Ever since I Drill also had a different sound. They took trap beats from Atlanta, which were super hot at the time, then mixed it in with busy snare drum patterns that they heard from their local marching bands. A sprinkle of footwork and juke were added. These were the dance music styles that the Shy was famous for. You can hear all of this in this G Herbo song, Gangway, produced by DJL. Started getting respected quick, earned it with a hundred click, ran into some beef, then my youngest started dumping shit. A couple Chicago drill artists, Chief Keith, Lil Durk, G Herbo, blew up huge. But back in Brooklyn, kids were fucking with that sound heavy. So they took it and added one big component, danceability. Tell me about this signature dance, and you have a few of them. Like, it's organic, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just regular, like, just make you want to. Yeah, like, okay, so, hey, okay. Brooklyn was just coming out of the Bobby Shmurda era. Bobby Shmurda blew up in 2014 with his viral hit, Hot Nigga. He's from East Flatbush. And just like the floss, it has a lot of people from the Caribbean. And one thing about Caribbean people, they got to dance for everything. Every style of music has its own way of moving to it. Dancehall, reggae, rock steady, soca. So it wasn't a surprise that the video for Hot Nigga had a whole lot of dancing mixed in with that tough talk and gang energy. I mean, remember the Shmoney dance? <laughs> that shit was legendary. The beats Bobby was rapping over were not drill beats. This was trap music. But when Brooklyn rappers started making their own version of drill, they kept Bobby's spirit. This music was still about gangs. It was still about violence. But it was kind of fun. <laughs> That's Brooklyn drill. That's Suburban by 22Gs. It came out at the end of 2016, and it was Brooklyn drill's first big hit. The next big Brooklyn Drill song was No Suburban by Chef G. It's a response to Suburban. See, Chef is Tutu's op, his rival. And in No Suburban, Chef doesn't hold back. He disses Tutu's crew by name. 
the Blickies. Better recognize who you dealing with. Run up, gun up, gonna be a death. Leave a Blicky looking all sticky, trippy, paramedics looking for his chest. This kind of music was really big in some Brooklyn neighborhoods, but it hadn't broke nationally yet. It needed the right person for that. Someone with a great voice, great backstory, someone with killer beats, someone like. Pop Smoke. He's proper like drill shit, you know what I'm saying? I can tell that he lives that kind of life, you know what I'm saying? That's when we come back. Welcome back. Artists draw inspiration from what's around them, and in 2018, Pop was surrounded by Brooklyn drill. It was all happening in Canarsie and the surrounding neighborhoods. So as Pop starts taking music more seriously, he obviously wants to sound like the hottest rappers in the game. Rappers like Chef G. So, first step, go to YouTube. I start looking up beats. This is Pop with British radio personality DJ Semtex. And when I looked up beats, I looked up Chef G song. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right on the Chef G song, it was just like a beat that said 808 Mellow. At the time, 808 Mellow was a college kid in the UK making beats for fun. I mean, of course it say UK. Mm. It say UK. But I, at the time, I'm not really thinking too right. deep into it. Right, right. Because that's... I was listening, that's just the type of vibe I was listening to. Mello has no idea what's going on. Pop continues to use his beats to make the new version of NPR and his second song, Flexin'. Then Pop makes Welcome to the Party and it blows up. Baby, welcome to the party. I'm off the Myers and the lean, that's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skating around. Baby, welcome to the party. Okay, the very first time I heard Parsnet was actually Welcome to the Party. I was thinking, what the fuck? That's 808 Mellow, the London producer. Pop finally got his attention. But when he hears the song, he's like, hey, this guy's taking my beats. And then they go press me. He like, yo, you gotta pay for this beat, bruv. Mello says he wasn't really mad that this rapper just swiped his beats. He was actually impressed. Like, it's different. It wasn't just so aggressive. You want people to dance, you know what I'm saying? Beats from London kids like Mello were quickly becoming the sound of Brooklyn street rap. Now that may sound strange. Why were Brooklyn rappers getting their beats from guys all the way in London? What's the UK even know about drill? Turns out, a whole lot. For one, they got their own street shit going on. My block is blood, my block is crap. You get what I'm saying? Like, this is what yeah, our yes. life is like. Is it, I've noticed in places that don't have blood crip that it's a lot more neighborhood-like or areas. Is it like that or y'all just got your own gangs? You get what I mean? Because nobody know, we, we intrigued by y'all world. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's called like a postcode war. Like the house you're from. Yeah. That's what they call it. They call it by the, the name of their state block they're from, the flats they're from. Okay, so they call their projects estates. And depending on which block your estate is on, it'll determine who you're beefing with. Before talking to Mello, I didn't know any of this, but it makes sense. Hoods are similar all over the world. I've seen it throughout my touring. If you have some guys who keep you safe and they feel like your family, you're going to fight for them. Whether they rep a flag, a neighborhood, or an estate block, 
saw the same thing. Beyond the street wars, Brooklyn and London share something else. New York, especially Brooklyn, yeah. it's a lot of fucking uh, yard people, Caribbean yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Pop again with DJ Semtex. The only way you could tell a London nigga from a New York nigga is when he talk. Even with that, we still got the same slang because mm. we still yardy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So all that ting, 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 nigga, that's us too. Facts. You can't go on a block in the floss without hearing someone use some kind of slang from the islands. The beats London producers were making connected with Brooklyn rappers because of these similarities. Island culture, dancing, the streets. But the way they came together was just by chance. Chicago drill landed with kids all over the world. And London was no exception. But it was the London teenagers like Mello who took the sound and put their own spin on it. They added grime bass lines and turned up the tempo. And they threw the results up on YouTube. Was the first beat hot or you made some bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> It was some bullshit. <laughs> I understand. I understand. In a year, I started to film myself. That's when I started to like put my stuff on YouTube. Mellow along with a whole army of London producers label their videos with titles like Drill Style Beats. That's how early Brooklyn rappers like Chef found their sound. When Chef got big, the video names from the UK changed to titles like Chef G-Type Beat. That's how Pop found his beats and ultimately found Mellow. Remember that weak version of NPR we heard at the beginning? That song wouldn't have gone anywhere if it wasn't for Mellow's beat. This is a Mellow beat. Shit, Pop might have still been calling himself GQ. But with Mellow on his side, Pop really had something strong. People in his hood were starting to pay attention. But a few YouTube plays from people in Canarsie isn't going to make you rich. Pop needed someone connected in the music biz to help him take it to the next level, to move him past the YouTube beats and the run-and-gun videos. In late 2018, word about Pop gets to Steven Victor. Steven's a vice president at Universal, and like so many people in this story, he's also from Canarsie. We were in L.A., and then Rick Ross called Pusha. He's like, yo, I'm in Hawaii working with Kanye. If you want to talk to him, I'm going to put him on the phone. Now, Steven, he's that dude. He manages Pusha T, and yeah, he's worked with Kanye. He has his own label, Victor Victor. So Steven's A&R, Rico Beats, tells him about this hot new artist. I don't want to say I dismiss him, but I, I dismiss him, right? Yeah. And at, the, and at the same time, I had some stuff that I was dealing with too, so this is in November. But his A&R keeps bugging him. So all of November, he keeps talking to me about pop. All of December, he keeps talking to me about pop. January comes, he's still on pop smoke. Mm -hmm. So he's like, yo, you got to meet him, you got to meet him. February comes, he's still on Pop Smoke. He, he, it gets to the point where he's like, listen, okay, I get it. But I've told this kid that I was going to get a meeting with you. And I was, you know what I'm saying? That I was going to yeah. be able to sign him. Like, <laughs> just take the meeting as a favor, bro, so I don't look like a liar. Facts. You know what I'm saying? He's like, just take the meeting for me as a favor. So I'm like, all right, cool. Finally, in early 2019, after months of delays, Stephen agrees to have the meeting. But he's not gonna stay long. So I got my jacket on and everything. I'm ready. You know, what I'm saying I already got the plan. I'm gonna go in here. I'm gonna stay here for like five minutes, be respectful, and then I'm gonna leave. That's my. That's the plan in my mind, right? Yeah. That was the plan, and then Pop walked in. So I, I go in the office. You know, I have some small talk with Pop, and I'm like, man, this kid's intense. He's like staring at me. He's staring at me. In my, you know what I'm saying? He's like staring at me. And I'm like, yo, is this nigga gonna try to beat me up if I don't like his music? 
But then he starts to hear the songs. He starts playing his music. And I'm like, this is different. His voice is different. You know, I don't know if I like it or if I don't like it, but it's something interesting about it. Mm-hmm. Plays a third song. It's the same reaction. Plays a fourth song. And I'm like, hmm. this kid's like a really good songwriter. Plays a fifth song. Plays a sixth song. He plays like 10 songs, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this music's like really, really good, damn. Like, I plan to be there five minutes. I'm in there for like 45 minutes to an hour. So I leave, I leave the meeting, I call Rico, and I'm like, yo, bro, this kid, you need to just forget about everything you're working on. You need to just focus on this kid. This kid is gonna be like he's gonna be massive. I was like, I don't know how big he's gonna be or when, but this kid's gonna be a superstar and he's gonna change your life. Next time on Complex Subject, Pop Smoke, we get into the hidden rivalry that drives Brooklyn drill. Like me and Pop Smoke, we got like. We got like all the same friends, all the same enemies. Complex Subject, Pop Smoke, is a Spotify original podcast in partnership with Complex. This episode was written and reported by Sean Sotero. Our senior producer is Shiva Bayat. Our associate producer and sound designer is Mira El Rahim. Our editor is Audrey Quinn. Our engineer is William Smith. Original music by Johnny Baker. Additional research done by Sophia Steinert-Evoy. Executive producers from Spotify include Gina Delvac and Jifa Yador. Executive producers from Complex include Donnie Kwok, Nick Wang, and Justin Killian. Special thanks to Alec Friedman, Jessica Dow, Eric Skelton, Chancel Correa, Taliba Newman, and Jennifer Stewart. I'm your host, Punch. Punch.